The Merry Bakers at Relevant Radio present... Episode 21, A Legacy of Ash. Scrooge and the Phantom stood in this low-browed, beetling shop as old Joe, the two women, and a man burst into laughter, astonished at seeing one another. <laughs> Let the charwoman alone to be the first. Let the laundress alone to be the second. Let the undertaker's man alone to be the third. Look here, old Joe, here's a chance. If we haven't all three met here without meaning. Absolutely. And you couldn't have met in a better place. Come into the parlour. You were made free of it long ago, you know, and the other two ain't strangers. Stop till I shut the door of the shop. Ow! Oh, how it squeaks. Ain't such a rusty bit of metal in this place as this own hinges, I believe. And there's no such old bones here as mine. <laughs> <laughs> when all suitable to our calling, we're well matched. Uh, come into the parlour. <laughs> the parlour was the space behind the screen of rags. The old man raked the fire together with an old stair rod, and having trimmed his smoky lamp, for it was night, with the stem of his pipe, put it in his mouth again. While he did this, the woman who had already spoken threw her bundle on the floor and sat down in a flaunting manner on a stool, crossing her elbows on her knees and looking with bold defiance at the other two. What odds, then? What odds, Mrs Dilber? Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true, indeed. No man more so. Why, then, don't stand staring as if you was afraid, woman. Who's the wiser? We're not going to pick holes in each other's coats, I suppose. No, indeed. <laughs> no, indeed, we should hope not. Very well, then. That's enough. Who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, a wicked old screw, why wasn't he more natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death. Instead of lying, gasping out his last there, alone, by himself. It is the truest word that ever was spoke. It's a judgment on him. I wish it was a little heavier judgment. And it should have been, you may depend upon it, if I could have laid my hands on anything else. Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Speak out plain. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for them to see it. We know pretty well that we were helping ourselves before we met here, I believe. It's no sin. Open the bundle, Joe. Not on your life. A lady should never go first. (laughs) (laughs) The gallantry of her friends would not allow her to go first, and the man in faded black mounting the breach first produced his plunder. It was not extensive. A seal or two, a pencil case... A pair of sleeve buttons and a brooch of no great value were all. They were severally examined and appraised by old Joe, who chopped the sums he was disposed to give for each upon the wall and added them up into a total when he found there was nothing more to come. That's your account. I wouldn't give you another sixpence if I was to be bored for not doing it. Who's next? Oh, I'll go, I fancy. Mrs Dilber was next. Sheets and towels, a little wearing apparel two old-fashioned silver teaspoons, a pair of sugar tongs, and a few boots. Her account was stated on the wall in the same manner. 
I always give too much to ladies. It's a weakness of mine, and that's the way I'll ruin myself. That's your account? You asked me for another penny and made it an open question I'd repent of being so liberal and knock off half a crown. And now undo my bundle, Joe. Come now, bring your bundle, here we go. Come on. You've done a great nod on this one, haven't you? What do you call this? Bed curtains? <laughs> <laughs> Bed curtains? Yes. Don't mean to say you took them down rings and all with him lying there. Yes, I do. Oh, Why not? You were born to make your fortune and you'll certainly do it. I certainly shan't hold my hand when I can get anything in it by reaching it out for the sake of such a man as he was. I promise you, Joe. Don't drop that oil upon the blankets now. His blankets? Who else is, do you think? Oh. He isn't likely to take cold without him, I dare say. <laughs> well, I hope he didn't die of anything catching, eh? Don't you be afraid of that. I ain't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things if he did. Ah, you may look through that shirt till your eyes ache, but you won't find an hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had, and a fine one, too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. What do you call the wasting of it? Putting it on him to be buried in, to be sure. Oh. Somebody was fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. No. If calico ain't good enough for such a purpose, it isn't good enough for anything. It's quite as becoming to the body. Oh. He can't look uglier than he did in that one. <laughs> Scrooge listened to this dialogue in horror. As they sat grouped about their spoil in the scanty light afforded by the old man's lamp, he viewed them with a detestation and disgust, which could hardly have been greater though they had been obscene demons marketing the corpse itself. There, you'll see the proper amount in there too, not a sixpence more. Thank you kindly. <laughs> this is the end of it, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us. When he was dead. <laughs> Spirit, I see. I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Ah! Merciful heaven, what is this? He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed. A bare, uncurtained bed, on which beneath a ragged sheet there lay a something covered up, which, though it was dumb, announced itself in awful language. The room was very dark, too dark to be observed with any accuracy, though Scrooge glanced round it in obedience to a secret impulse, anxious to know what kind of room it was. A pale light, rising in the outer air, fell straight upon the bed. And on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, was the body of this man. Scrooge glanced towards the phantom. Its steady hand was pointed to the head, the cover was so carelessly adjusted that the slightest raising of it, the motion of a finger upon Scrooge's part, would have disclosed the face. He thought of it, felt how easy it would be to do, and longed to do it, but had no more power to withdraw the veil than to dismiss the spectre at his side. Scrooge thought, if this man could be raised up now, what would be in his foremost thoughts? Avarice? Hard-dealing, griping cares? They have brought him to a rich end, truly. No voice pronounced these questions in Scrooge's ears, and yet he heard them when he looked upon the bed. The body lay in the dark, empty house, with not a man, not a woman, or a child, to say that he was kind to me in this or that, or for the memory of one kind word I will be kind to him. 
A cat was tearing at the door, and there was a sound of gnawing rats beneath the hearthstone. What they wanted in the room of death, and why they were so restless and disturbed, Scrooge did not dare think. Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson, trust me. Let us go. Still, the ghost pointed with an unmoved finger to the head. I understand you. Uh, And I I would draw that veil from upon that body's head, if I could. But I have not the power, spirit. I have not the power. If there is any person in the town who feels emotion caused by this man's death, show that person to me, spirit, I beseech you. The phantom spread its dark robe before him for a moment, like a wing, covering the scene before Scrooge's eyes, before withdrawing it. The scene, with all its terror and dread, evaporated instantly. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us as we listen to Mr. Charles Dickens read A Christmas Carol on the Christmas Eve right after it was published in 1843. Tune in tomorrow to hear Mr. Dickens read the next installment. We'll all be waiting for your return to the Royal Victoria Theatre. Have a blessed Advent and a happy Christmas. We'll see you tomorrow. Do you want to hear more stories that bring joy to your family? Go to themerrybeggars.com and click donate. There's a link in the description to make it easy. Your donations make all our future shows possible. And if you're enjoying this show, help other families discover the Merry Beggars by leaving a review and sharing this podcast. It really helps. God bless everyone. Come back tomorrow to TheMerryBeggars.com to hear episode 22 of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol was adapted for radio by Peter Atkinson and Buzz McLaughlin. The narrator was performed by Peter Atkinson. Charles Dickens was Zubin Painter Eddington. Ebenezer Scrooge was Scott Lynch Giddings. Charwoman was Sarah Simmons. Mrs. Dilber was Anita Silvert. Old Joe was Stephen Lee Rich and The Undertaker was performed by Alan Ball. Sound design by Teresa Ambot and Kevin Conroy. Sound engineering by Kevin Conroy. Casting and production was by Peter Atkinson and Michaela Elise Fox. Singing was provided by the Lincolnshire Relevant Radio staff, the Choir of St. Peter's in Volo, and the Merry Beggars Ensemble. The Merry Beggars is the entertainment division of Relevant Radio, bringing Christ to the world through the media.